It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. We are still at home. We are still doing the best we can, but, you know, it's always good to talk a little bit of baseball. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine. With me right now on the phone, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. Hello, everyone. How's it going, Al? And, of course, joining us as well, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hello, everybody. It's been a few weeks. What's, what's, what's happening? What's new over there? Not much. As everybody knows, we're still working from home, still putting some great stories up um, online. And I think that's been uh, fun to see the response to those stories. And obviously, it's given us a way of getting some pieces. I know personally that I was really excited about publishing, you know, getting them out and into the world. It's strange not having an exact timetable. You know, we're so accustomed to having a, you know, deadlines and uh, a production schedule. And, you know, so much of our lives is, is dictated by the baseball calendar and the baseball schedule every year. And uh, to kind of just be like a, you know, a ship without a mast and, and you know, wondering when the next magazine is going to come out, when spring training is going to resume, when and how baseball season is going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's still still pretty strange. But uh, like Al said, we have been able to still work on some stories, putting up some new stories on yankees.com slash magazine, putting, putting uh, some of our archived stuff out there uh, as well. So all is, all is not for naught. So I'm curious for you guys, we're rapidly approaching the two-month mark of this. Is it getting uh, easier or harder for you guys? What would you say? You know, from a workflow standpoint, it's getting easier. You know, partially because I, I, there is not as much work, unfortunately, to do because there's not games to cover and, you know, there's really not any new content. For me personally, I'm getting impatient and it's hard, I think, to not get impatient when getting home from spring training and realizing that things, you know, are likely going to be pushed back and uh, dealing with that in March was far different from seeing them get pushed back and see them, seeing them get pushed back again. And now we're at a point where you're right, John, it's been a long time and you don't know what, you know, the future holds, at least the immediate future. The one thing that has gotten easier is simply just turning the calendar from April to May, because with that turn of the calendar, there is some optimism and there is some kind of, uh, idea that there's a light at the end of the tunnel man i hope you're right i really do you know it's just it's strange you know i remember 
I, I say I remember as though I'm looking back millennia. It only feels like that. But, you know, I remember when, you know, opening day, you know, just came and went. And it occurred to me just last week, I mean, we've missed a month <laughs> of baseball season. We haven't missed a couple of games here. This isn't like, you know, a rainstorm where you lose, uh, you know, two games in a row and you feel like you haven't seen baseball for a year and a half like we've had sometimes. We would be deep into the season at this point. You know, things would be happening. It's, uh, I, I don't know, I feel like it gets harder every day, not easier. I just feel like we get further and further away from real life and reality and all these things. And I mean, look, we're, we're also recording this on what is opening day of the Korean Baseball League, which, you know, fortunately is readily available now on ESPN. And, you know, a former Yankees Magazine contributor, Sungmin Kim, uh, has been doing a great job of preaching the merits of the Latte Giants, who he now works for. So, you know, there is baseball. There's obviously baseball in Taiwan as well. It's just every day you see another baseball story that's not a baseball story. You know, it's just something that ostensibly is about baseball that, you know, you kind of care about. But at the same time, no, this isn't baseball yet. And it's, it, it, it's been really hard for me in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree, John. You know, so many different outlets have been doing a great job of trying to uh, fill the void as, you know, creative as, as a lot of people have been getting and everything. You know, it's just not the same. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about uh, how excited we all were to see Garrett Cole pitch in Yankee Stadium in pinstripes. You know, he might be 6-0 and by now or something. <laughs> and we haven't even, you know, we haven't seen him throw a single pitch yet. When the weather's nice and, you know, you think about what we would be doing normally at this time of year, uh, it's it's tough. For sure. And by the way, I, I do want to just correct any impression I might have given. I am not suggesting that John misses baseball, therefore... Let's just give up all the good sense that we've had and just get right back to it. I, I understand and I am grateful for all the ways that we are working to uh, flatten this curve and do the things we're supposed to do. I'm, I'm not suggesting it's been too long. Let's go. But it's just, man, it, it just feels far away. It feels, you mm -hmm. know, every day feels more removed from the real world. Have any of these attempts to fill the void made an impression on you, John? What have you been, what's kind of been your, uh, your way of scratching your baseball itch? <laughs> um no yeah I, I thought i was gonna no I, i'm sorry i thought i was gonna enjoy the you know idea of the mlb the show tournament and it turned out i hated that not, not because of anything it's just like it was totally unfulfilling for me i enjoy playing mlb the show uh it turns out i really don't enjoy watching other people play video games um I, i've certainly when possible i've tuned into some of these games taking place in asia and it's a lot of fun I think for me, one of the issues I have, and I think we've referenced this on a previous podcast, you know, sports isn't just about watching the ball get hit or, you know, seeing how far the home run is. It's about the stakes. And as much fun as it is to pretend that I care about one KBO team over another, you know, at the end of the day, when you're watching a sport that you really just don't care what happens, it's it's the same reason that I have trouble watching old games because, <laughs> you know, the stakes don't matter at that point. They, they already happened. You know, honestly, like I feel like I'm like a lot of people here. I'm watching a lot of Netflix. I'm reading. I'm riding my bike. I'm trying to learn Spanish. I'm playing guitar. I'm doing all these things that, you know, essentially are enjoyable. And, and look, I, I am in the obvious 1% of the universe in terms of privilege as I deal with all this stuff and complain that I miss baseball. Um, but no, just, you know, the things that should be that people are trying, the things that should be there to help, you know, scratch that itch for me. Not really working. What about you, Al? It's hard. You know, I, I miss the, I, I miss the sport. I miss being at Yankee Stadium a lot more than I thought I would. You know, I really enjoy writing 
intimate feature stories on our players. I've, I've been outspoken on every one of our forums about <clears throat> the fact that that's what I enjoy about this job the most is really infiltrating the lives of our players. I wrote about it in the feature that w- will come out uh, when baseball resumes on, you know, the 40th anniversary of Yankees magazine, chasing down those, you know, those gets, so to speak, and, and lining stuff with players where I can do things, you know, that other writers don't have access to do. I think I realized how much that kind of means to me in my life when there's really no idea of when that's going to happen again. Like with everything though, I have kind of made myself feel optimistic and better about things because I remind myself really about everything in my life that's missing because of the pandemic. Like you said, John, first and foremost, how fortunate I am that I'm healthy, how fortunate I am that my child and my wife are are healthy, obviously. But also, I continually remind myself that all the things that I'm sad about not being able to do now, I'm going to be able to do again. And that is something that really gives me great solace and really makes me feel better. You know, I'm writing down ideas for stories and really formulating them in, in a, in a more thorough fashion than I normally would, because I, that's all that I can do is formulate the idea as opposed to actually covering the the story, spending time with the player. But, you know, those things, instead of making me feel bad, those things make me excited about, the things that can can happen both on a personal front and a, and a professional front. Again, the the emotion that's not good with all that is the anxiousness because you have all these great ideas and all these things you want to do, and and all they are right now is ideas. But I do feel confident they're all going to come to fruition. Well, I I appreciate that sentiment, and I think that you're you're echoing what a lot of people are thinking. And obviously, look, we all have the anxiety right now. We all have this stuff going on, but you're, you're making a great point. Baseball will come back. We have no idea when it will be. Everyone, I think I said this every episode, everyone asks me, I, I know nothing more than what I see on MLB.com or on ESPN or MLB Network. That's the way it is. No one knows. It's, it, the, the virus is in charge. But I, I think it is a good segue, though, because, Nate, you mentioned what could be right now with Garrett Cole. Obviously, you know, another big question mark coming to the season that everyone was really excited about was the idea of Gleyber Torres as everyday shortstop. The team made the decision to move on from Didi Gregorius. Gleyber has shown over two years in the league, both times in which he was selected to the All-Star team, just how great of a player he is. But this was going to be a huge, huge moment for him. Al, during spring training, uh, such as it was, you spoke to Glaber, and we just put the story up on yankees.com slash magazine now. You talked to him about just what this year meant to him. And I'm, I'm curious, what, what, are you, what were you hoping to find out from him? And what were you expecting before kind of everything broke down? Yeah, you know, I mean, even though I had written a story about him within the last 10 months, I was really anxious to go right back to him again this spring and try to get a good amount of time with him this time for a Q and a piece, because I just really felt like our readership and our, our audience just needed to read his words about where he's at in his career. And, you know, the excitement that I have still and certainly had when I was approaching him and, and doing this story is, is like off the charts. You know, he's 23 years old. So he's in baseball terms, he's, he's a baby. Yet in 
you know, two years time, he's accomplished so much. And that's just a- absolutely remarkable. I, you know, the, the stats that everybody, you know, has heard and, and regurgitated is, you know, he's the, he's the third Yankees player to hit 20 home runs in multiple seasons before turning 23. And you start to think, well, who are the other two? Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. All right, that's pretty good to be, you know, mentioned with those guys, obviously. Two, you know, transcendent stars and heroes and icons. But, you know, obviously the, the excitement for what he could do in whatever the next full season that baseball has is, is, is really special. It's really tantalizing, if you will. So, you know, what I like about him and what I like about sitting down with him and, and talking to him is two things. He's humble and he's confident at the same time. He's not arrogant, but he's really confident. You know, I talked to him about, look at what you did last year. What do you hope to improve on this year? And, you know, there's where that, that confidence comes in. You know, he's like, nothing. I don't, I don't want to improve on anything. I really want to just do what I did last year. I did a lot last year. I want to continue to do that. You know, his goals are the same as, as what they were going into last year, not get, not get hurt. And I said, well, how is that a goal? And the goal, the reason why that's a goal is because he feels confident enough in his ability that if he doesn't get hurt, he's going to accomplish great things. And I, I think that's a really unique stance on, not being arrogant, not being overly confident, but having the confidence in yourself that you need to go out there and be a star player. I think that's really interesting. One of the difficult things we're all facing right now, obviously things seem to be trending in the direction where there will be a season this year, but no matter what, we're losing you know a lot of time to watch certain players in their primes. And look, that's disappointing for us and discouraging for us. And obviously for the players, it's a chance to frankly, you know, earn some more money. This is this is a prime, you know, time to show what they can do. So I, I kind of understand that perspective of Glaber's even before any of this started, that what does he want to do? He wants to do what he did last year. He did everything last year. You know, the team didn't win the World Series, but what more do you want from your 23-year-old second baseman slash shortstop than what he gave you last year? And as far as, you know, staying healthy, if a couple more Yankees stayed healthy last year, we're looking at a different season probably. I think that's a pretty pretty remarkably reasonable goal for a player this year to try to figure out how to do that. So again, it's just... And I'm, I'm, I, I feel bad if I'm coming off as a downer when I say this. I loved reading the story, and, and I love interviewing Glaber for a lot of the reasons you, you mentioned. And, and yet, reading this shows me like, man, we're missing a prime time to be watching this young, exciting, thrilling baseball player. We talked about Joe DiMaggio in this segment here. And I always remember my father, my grandparents talking to me about you know, him missing three years of his prime due to service in World War II. And obviously, I'm by no means suggesting uh, that this is anything like that in terms of, 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 of time served in the game. But I, did, I, I have flashed back to that. Every day, every, every week, I should say, that Cole doesn't pitch this year is one less win that's taken away from his legacy. Or, you know, every week that's missed is several less hits and probably home runs in the career of Glaber Torres. I'm not suggesting this is going to go on for three years, but it's, it's uh, certainly a unique time. And I, I can't imagine, you know, I talked about from my, you know, station in life, how anxious I am for things to resume. I can't imagine how somebody like Glaber Torres feels. That's going to be a fascinating thing I haven't thought about 
15, 20 years from now, when we're talking about, you know, Hall of Fame cases, and you're looking at counting stats, and you're saying, well, don't forget, you know, 2020, uh, he could have had 18 wins that year. I, I hadn't really thought about that part of it, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, like, with the guys who, you know, maybe miss a milestone, you know, like, like if, if, if Alex Rodriguez was playing now, and he ended up with the same number of home runs that he, he did end up with, which was, I think, 696 you know, missing like 700 home runs by four. Uh, if there's guys like that, it, it, it sucks. It's, it's a travesty in that respect. Again, keeping it in perspective when, you know, tens of thousands of people have lost their lives, it's okay. Uh, but it's certainly an interesting wrinkle to, you know, all the things that, that have gone on. And, and uh, of course, much less important than the real life thing, but, it, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, you know, John, Earlier, when you were kind of uh, alluding to what we would perhaps be seeing out of Glaber this year in terms of playing shortstop every day, you know, I go back to just, and maybe it's getting ahead of ourselves, but hoping there's also a postseason this year and just, you know, really looking forward to seeing what Glaber continues to do when the games matter most. Because, you know, when I think back to his rookie season and, and the way the season ended with, you know, Boston, unfortunately, uh, you know, celebrating on our home turf and, and Glaber kind of, standing there waiting for the replay and you know he didn't have a, a real big impact on, on that postseason and then last year I mean he was kind of a monster I mean he had some huge games uh you know the opener against Houston you know drove in five runs in a, in a seven nothing win uh, you know so looking forward to seeing how he built upon that and I think Al that was part of your conversation with him back in spring training right it was, you know, what I think is really cool is that, you know, in two years and, you know, before his 24th birthday, he's played in so many postseason games already. Uh, and I, I forget the number, but it's, I think, 14 that he's played in. You know, people talk a lot about how great it is to have that postseason experience, whether you succeed or you fail. In his case, it goes a little deeper than that. He's not only had the postseason experience and, and in, in ways more postseason experience than some players have their whole career but he's also shown in those moments that he's he, he's already learned how to succeed in those moments you know from year one to year two i mean his rise from his his earliest days in the minor league you know the cubs organization to where we are right now is astounding and part of that is even what he did in the postseason from maybe struggling a little bit that first year, finding his way. And then last year, just like you said, being a monster, take, seizing the moment. And I have no doubt that's going to happen again the next time he's in the, he's in the postseason. Those are things to be really optimistic about. You know, it's, it, it's exciting when we get to the next uh, postseason to think about what he can do because he's already gotten past you know, what he calls like those jitters, you know, those, those big game jitters. He, he's dealt with that already. He didn't have those last year. He just came in last year ready to go. And he, he kind of uh, um, got past that really, really fast. It's taken some players that are really, really great a long, a much longer time to do what he did from a mental standpoint and an emotional standpoint than it's taken him. So, Al, you know, I like to uh, sometimes on here give, you know, listeners sort of the uh, the behind the scenes of, of how, you know, interviews come to be or what 
what guys are sort of like just in terms of getting them to sit down and talk to us. Uh, and I also am just kind of uh, somewhat nostalgic for spring training 2020 when there were actually games and, <laughs> and, and life was still going on as normal. Uh, w- what do you recall about just, you know, setting up the interview? Where did you guys do it? And, and you know, how was Glaber during that time? He was great. Well, I'll tell you a, you know, funny story. I, I um, he actually <laughs> had my busiest day of spring training the day that I that I interviewed Glaber. The reason why was at like six o'clock that morning. I had run the Tampa half marathon, the Gasparilla half marathon, and then came back to George M. Steinbrenner Field to do what was not only my biggest interview of spring training but really my two biggest interviews of spring training and it's just the way that it worked out it was a day where glaber wasn't traveling and nor was garrett cole so i literally got back to the stadium tried to hydrate a little bit and before i knew it was with glaber for a half hour and with garrett cole for a half hour separately uh with only a couple minutes in between and you know what i liked about it was that it was a, a day where the team was on the road, but these two stars were not going. So they just had a brief workout to do that morning. And then, you know, they were really relaxed. And obviously I'll save the, the story about Garrett Cole for the details of that for another time when we're, when we're going to delve into that story. But as far as Glaber, you know, he's just, he's just a relaxed guy. You know, I had dinner, had had dinner with him the year before for a longer piece. And this time it was just the two of us, sitting in the dugout and, and, and for quite a while and just talking about all the things that he had accomplished and all the things that he of course wants to do in the future. And, um, you know, I, I have a great photo that, that our team photographer took of me and him sitting there and he's got his hat on backwards and he had just come off the field or, or just completed a workout. And, you know, what I love about him sitting there with his hat on backwards, uh, his legs crossed and us kind of sitting back in the dugout talking is maybe it makes me feel young <laughs> or younger since he's, you know, half my age practically. But just, you know, seeing that image of him, shirt untucked and, and hat on backwards and just sitting there relaxed after, you know, a hard workout on a hot and humid morning, um, just kind of brings out the, the youthfulness that he has. And, the, and, you know, and that's easy to forget when, you realize how uh, how much he's accomplished. Um, so to me, he's you know the theme of my story a year ago was how he's got this old soul and how he's so mature for his age. And I wrote about that and we talked about that on on this podcast. But in this interview, while the maturity didn't go away and that old soul type feeling still comes out of him, so to speak, when he talks the imagery that I saw in front of me just screamed youthfulness. And, you know, when you look at this whole team, that, that's a thing that's really exciting. You know, the Aaron Judges of the world and Glaber Torres is, and, and even, you know, uh, Garrett Cole and um, so many players that I'm, that I'm not mentioning, but it's a young, fun, group of guys and Glaber really epitomizes that and and seeing him in the dugout with me that day that that's all I could think about obviously everyone's watching this you know Michael Jordan documentary right now that's been on ESPN and for as much success and as much as you know we regard 
Jordan as one of the most decorated basketball players of all time, not just in terms of what he did individually, but also the championships he won. He was in the league seven years before he won his first championship. It, it, it just seems like he won every year, but it actually took a while. You start reading some of these things, and, and, and sometimes you, you lose sight of 2017 These guys were so far ahead of their time at that point. No one expected anything. 2018 was a bummer. 2019, yeah, you know, I mean, it it looked like the real thing. Whenever this team does start up again, this team is so skilled. This team added Garrett Cole in the offseason. It's just there, there is so much time for this core and this young group to thrive that Yankees fans, look, it, it's a business. It's tough. You lose players that you love from time to time. I know that everyone would love to have Didi or Gorius around still, I'm sure. But, you know, like these guys are still going to be together for a while still. And it's going to be exciting over the next few years and, and, and hopefully this year too. But Al, it's a tremendous story. Uh, it's a great Q&A. It's called Good to Go. It's available right now on yankees.com slash magazine. We're going to take a super quick break, and when we get back, we just want to have a a quick update on where things stand for the magazine and for the website as we wait for some clarity here, and also we'll just chat about another piece that we just put up from our archives about Lou Gehrig, so stick with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Deep to left. Yastrzemski will not get it. It's a home run. A three-run home run for Buckingham. The Yankees now lead it by a score of three to two. Hey, folks! It's Bucky Dent. I'm proud to be part of a new podcast on Yankees Magazine Podcast Network called Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. Every other Tuesday, we'll bring you a new episode chatting about great moments from Yankee history with some of my best friends from a career in the game. We'll look at what's happening with the current team, share some memories, and no surprise, we'll even discuss a little homer I hit one credible day in Fenway Park. Download Deep to Left with Bucky Dent at yankees.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice. Can't wait to speak with you soon. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. We just had a a long talk about, Al, your piece on Glaber Torres, which is, is currently running. One of the things that we are trying to do as we weather some of this uncertainty, obviously, is is we've been having a lot of fun looking through old magazines, looking through things that never made it online because, you know, they they were before we were putting our stuff on MLB.com. Two things that are of note this week. The, The first thing I think is worth mentioning, obviously, there was some sad news in the sports world this week when we learned about the passing of Don Chula. Al, I actually, uh, I assume most of our listeners know this at this point. I think it's come up, but you know, you you spent some time with the Dolphins, and obviously, I know a lot of the guys in that team mean a lot to you. But you actually spoke to Coach Shula for Yankees Magazine a few years back. You know, what what, what was that experience like for you? It was great to give a little background. You know, I am very blessed to have ultimately worked for the two teams that I you know rooted for as a child and followed as a young person the Miami Dolphins and then of course you know for now 17 plus years the New York Yankees and you know I I was such a 
admirer of Coach Shula, that it was truly a goal in life to somehow know him, even if knowing him meant for one hour of time. It was it was something that I, I so very much wanted to do. You know, so I reached out to my former boss with the Miami Dolphins, Harvey Green, who's also a former Yankees PR guy, not at any time recently, but somebody who worked for George Steinbrenner and Don Shula. And uh, he was able to set up an interview with me with Coach Shula at the coach's house uh, in, in Miami. I was actually down there for uh, the Yankees exhibition games against the Marlins, uh, which was the opening of their ballpark. But you can imagine what that, you know, what that day meant to me. And, you know, and, and Coach Shula was, was just uh, a wonderful interview. You know, I tried to ask him a lot of things that transcended really all sports and, you know, things about his uh, philosophies on being driven and, and leadership philosophies. And, you know, and, and he, he gave me so many great anecdotes, things that I, that I literally have used in my own life since then uh, that are, that are special to me. And, you know, he was a really normal guy. Um, but I always remember, you know, how demanding he was and how much of a perfectionist he was. And I always prided myself on preparing really, really hard for every interview to never ask a question that's out of line, to never ask a question that, uh, I should have known the answer to. And I, I can say that I prepared maybe even harder for that interview than, than almost any other. And we got done and, and I asked him the last question and he answered it. And I put my hand out and I shook his hand and just said, thank you. And he looked at me and said, great job. And, you know, those two words were amazing to me because it was like the ultimate sense of approval or almost accomplishment because this person who <laughs> was notoriously demanding and didn't say great job to just about anybody, it seemed. I, one, had kind of fulfilled this goal of, of finally getting to know, and two, him, you know, saying that are, are things that, uh, you know, don't really ever go away. Yeah, Al, you were, uh, you were the first guy I thought of when I heard the news uh, this week that he passed away. Um, and, it, you know, it's been, I think that was back in, what, 2012 that you did that interview? It was, yeah. So, you know, I know we ran it in the magazine that year, but I, I forget some of the specifics of it. Were there any uh, Yankees ties or ties to New York? What, what you know, in your conversation, did, what did uh, Coach Shula have to say about that? There were a couple. You know, he gravitated to people with the Yankees that were very similar to him. The first was he had a long-standing friendship uh, with the boss, George Steinbrenner, and it doesn't surprise me, I'll put it that way. They were, again, two very demanding people, but clearly two people that got the most out of the people who worked for them or, in Coach Shula's case, played for them. And uh, they were both from Ohio, and they had that pride in where they were from uh, in common. And he talked about, you know, the way that, you know, George Steinbrenner you know, always made a point of staying in touch with him. Um, when Coach Shula was in New York, uh, there were times where they, they would meet in New York City for dinner. Um, I think they had a, a really nice dinner at NYY Steak just prior to um, George Steinbrenner passing away. And uh, he had, you know, he had fond memories of, of him. He also had a long relationship, uh, friendship with Joe DiMaggio, who he, he played golf and tennis with in South Florida, and who, from the time he was a child, 
he admired, you know, and, and what was interesting there, there was, was kind of an interesting tie that the two of them held uh, records in sports that, you know, were, were two of the greatest, you know, most unbreakable marks. You know, Joe DiMaggio, of course, with a 56-game hitting streak, Coach Shula with 347 victories uh, as an NFL coach. You know, I don't think that anyone's going to break Joe DiMaggio's record. Bill Belichick might break Coach Shula's record. I, I you know, it, it seemed once unbreakable, but now I, I, that might not be the case. But talking to Coach Shula and having him talk about Joe DiMaggio was really interesting. Well, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, way to look back on it. You know, Al, I know that was a great experience for you. I'm Thank glad you. you got a chance to discuss it. But that is one really special thing about Yankees Magazine, even right now, the fact that. I, I feel like we kind of alluded to this a little bit in the Glaber Torres discussion. When you look at things that we get to write about, it's a lot like the things that the players themselves get to experience. You know, when Glaber Torres does something amazing, he's not getting compared to a couple of really good players. Huzzah! He's getting compared to Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. And what that means is that we have the ability to write about those guys. Nate, we just threw a story up from the archives from a few years back that you did on Lou Gehrig. And I was hoping for a minute you would talk about both what our ambitions are with going back through the archives to find these stories and also what resonated about that piece in particular that you thought would be a good fir- first time opening the archives to, to throw that up there. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, obviously there's so many baseball fans who are just, you know, starving for, for content right now. And you see things up online that during the course of a, a a normal baseball season you wouldn't necessarily see and uh you know one of those things is just kind of nostalgia and people looking backward and kind of reevaluating uh, or, or revisiting uh, you know some of the things that have contributed to why there are so many baseball fans today and so you know i think we started putting up some of our magazine content online around 2016 um but obviously you know yankees magazine goes all the way back to 1980. So there's a lot Happy of... Happy 40th birthday, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of great articles that, that we have in the magazine that have never been published online before. So our thought was just to kind of uh, go back through our archives and try and identify a few that we think people might enjoy reading um, if they haven't previously seen them. You know, subscribers might be familiar with some of these pieces, but I don't know. The one that came to mind for me in April was a piece I had done I want to say 2013 on uh, Lou Gehrig and how the Yankees came to discover him and how he became a Yankee. Um, I, I'm, I, I forget where the story idea originally came from. I suspect it was from when I was, you know, when I first started at the Yankees in 2007, I was working on a series of magazines uh, that came out in 2008 called The Stadium. It was a nine-volume series, each one dedicated to a different decade in the history of Yankee Stadium. So maybe while I was working on the 1920s edition of The Stadium, I had you know, stumbled across this little anecdote about the scout for the Yankees, Paul Critchell, uh, just hopping on a train one day and traveling down to New Brunswick, New Jersey to go watch a baseball game between Rutgers and Columbia and uh, just seeing this, you know, strapping young right fielder. I think it was like the only day in his life that Lou Gehrig played right field. Uh, but he hit two home runs into the trees along George Street. And uh, that's how it all began. So, 
you know, we're kind of on the lookout for stories like that. You know, we, we've got a couple more in the pipeline that have come out in, you know, previous years that we think people will enjoy reading these days as they wait for baseball to return. I don't want to get too inside baseball here when I say this. You know, I don't even know if I've pointed this out to you guys yet. You know, the fact of the matter is, Nate, since we put this story online, it has done double the page views of any other story we did this year, um, including, you know, very current things about very current players. So I think it was, uh, you know, you were correct in uh, identifying this one. I, I just love the story. You know, I mean, one of the problems, and, and I use problems in quotes, when you have something like the Yankees Monument Park is as much as you laud each of these individual guys who are in there, you kind of compartmentalize them into in, into one thing. So, you know, Babe Ruth is all the home runs. Lou Gehrig is the streak. And I think for a lot of people, you can go down the list of that and, and, and think you know all about these guys. And yet it's amazing sometimes when you still find these new things in there. I had forgotten the story that you had in here about, you know, Wally Pip visiting him and the conversation they had. And I mean, first of all, I want you to tell people who haven't read that story, but it's just like there, there's this amazing, amazing stuff that you see in there. And before I, I, I hand you back the microphone, one of the great joys in my career in baseball was a project I worked on, God, I want to say you know, around 2005 or 2006. And it, it was a project we did with Major League Baseball and this British company. And it was a book that had a lot of like replications of baseball memorabilia and things like that. And one of the things that we found when we were doing this research at the Hall of Fame, I mean, we didn't find it, they, they showed it to us, was the letter that Garrick wrote his wife the night he mm. pulled himself out. And, you know, if I remember correctly, and I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong, you know, it's on stationary of the Book Cadillac Hotel in Detroit, this incredibly, incredibly sentimental letter, you know, about everything he's going through and all all these things. And again, you know, to, to, to return to the point I started this out with, you read that for a second and it immediately takes Lou Gehrig out of the pages of anything else you've ever seen or read of him or heard of him in the case of his famous speech. And there's just such humanity in it. And you've done a bunch of these great history stories, Nate. And, and, and one of the reasons I love reading your history stories is because of the humanity that's in all of them. But again, I mean, the example here, that Wally Pip story, you, know, you hear Wally Pip, you hear Lou Gehrig, you think you know what the story is going to be. But that's not what this story is. No. So uh, Wally Pip came up with the Tigers. And I guess even when... Uh, he was with the Yankees, and if anybody doesn't know, Wally Pipp was the first baseman for the Yankees prior to Lou Gehrig taking over. I guess he still maintained some sort of ties with the Tigers or had some sort of connection over there, whatever. He, he knew people there still. And the Tigers had gotten wind of this you know, college star at Columbia named Lou Gehrig, and they wanted to you know, kind of set up a meeting with him or talk to him. So they asked Pipp if he would stop by and introduce himself and just kind of forge the connection. Already, this is so crazy, but go on. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Unknowingly, uh, not knowing that the Yankees were also hot on Garrick's trail and had just pretty much signed him uh, to be a Yankee, Pip shows up in the the Columbia (laughs) locker room and says, hey, you know, the Detroit Tigers are interested in talking to you. And Lou tells this man, uh, that's nice, but I'm sorry. I've already agreed to go with the Yankees. Pip says, "Uh, the who? Uh, You know, the Yankees. And he's like, oh, boy. (laughs) He says, you 
you don't know who I am, do you? And Derek says, sure, you're Wally Pippa, the Yankees. He's like, yeah, that's right. You didn't see me, right? <laughs> like basically, uh, don't tell, don't tell my bosses we had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Forget you ever saw me. <laughs> but you know, to kind of um, circle back, it's kind of become a, a theme of this this podcast, I guess. It's just talking about how grateful we are for what we're able to do uh, writing for Yankees Magazine. You know, it's it's always been fun to for me to kind of you know delve into the history and and try and unearth some of the like you said, the humanity or the personality of these guys. And uh, believe me, I'm far from the only writer who does so. I mean, that's why you still see books coming out uh, even today on, on a lot of these guys. But, you know, that's really what informs a lot of what we do on the current players as well. You know, I know with, you know, a, a lot of the stories that I've written in recent years and that you've written, John, and, and you too, Al, you know, we're not just trying to, uh, you know, put their statistical accomplishments into perspective or or anything like that you know a lot of times it's trying to introduce our readers to to glaber torres or whoever it is as people so uh you get a better sense of uh not just who they are as ball players or as athletes but you know what what they're all about on the inside you know that that to me is really uh a lot of fun well, it's, it's a really fun piece, and obviously, look, we would love nothing more than to be putting up great stories right now and printing magazines and giving you all great content about the 2020 Yankees, and I sincerely hope that everyone stays healthy and everything goes okay and that we're able to do that soon, but in the meantime, you know, the best way to keep getting some of these awesome stories is by checking us out at yankees.com slash magazine or by following us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Of course, even though we're not printing right now, you can still subscribe and you will get eight issues when they start coming out again. You can go to yankees.com slash publications to subscribe there. And of course, we're just so grateful that you're staying with us, that you're listening. We're trying to do the best that we can to give you the content that we know you miss. And, you know, if you've been listening, you'd certainly know that I miss. <laughs> I think uh, I can speak for Alan when I say that. But in the meantime, stay well, stay safe and stay with us. We're going to do our best to keep entertaining you. And in the meantime, we'll speak to you in two weeks. Have a great one. Guys, thanks so much. See you later. Hi, this is Aaron Hicks. For more stories like this one, subscribe by visiting yankees.com publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today.